Hey, welcome to episode 131 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, we're talking about Halloween imports, which is amazing because Johnny has actually been buying a lot of imports lately, which is totally not something he does. And I picked like the two most mainstream import Halloween games and they picked kind of deeper cuts. So I think we've got a good mix going on here. You might have noticed, hopefully you didn't notice, this show is kind of earlier than the shows normally go. Sometimes you see how there's like 20 days in between shows. This one came out like five days after the last one. Our recording schedule right now is basically whenever Johnny and Stefan have time because of their families, and then editing is whenever I have time between work. Also, I'm putting this up a day before the Portland Retro Gaming Expo for two reasons. One... Now you can listen to us on your way to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. And two, hey, we're going to be at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, so come say hi. Johnny and Stefan are big, tall, distinctive men, and Stefan's going to have a panel on Saturday, I'm going to say at 6? I think that's right. With all his gameplay counselor friends. And come say hi to me, because I'm shy, and I probably won't say hi to you first. I think I said everything. Give us a review. Tell your mom about the show. Let's go. back to another episode of collector's quest i'm tyler here with johnny here with stefan what is going on guys it yeah. is crazy crazy windy out here where johnny and i are they're like talking about shutting out the power as a like a precautionary fire thing so if i go dark suddenly i apologize yep did you know that simi valley means valley of the wind or big wind? I did not know that. But I do know that they might shut off your power because the winds are going to start fires and they don't want to make things worse. That is yeah. literally... Do you even listen to me talk? That no. That is literally what I just... Oh, I didn't hear you say the fire part. Oh, my God. Oh, I'll just cut that to make myself no. seem less dumb. No. I think there was, there's something in the last episode that we said we were going to cut and I'm just like, I'm just going to leave it in. I don't oh, think wait. Johnny's happy that we're leaving it in. Was I right? There was something... Wasn't there a challenge? Johnny said something. Oh, I thought he, he said we you instead of we or something. I don't know. There was something. Yep. I mean, uh, we would know if Tyler ever edited an episode. Yeah. I need, <laughs> I, need, I need to know if I won. You, the listening audience, will never know how much we cut. Very little. <laughs> very, very little. Very little cuts going on here. We always we fill say this we're show with cut. garbage. Yeah, we always say we're going to cut. Like, and, but like, no matter what, it stays in. Like, I have to go like do something for my kid for like a half an hour, and then it's just the two of them talking about uh, untrustworthy white people or whatever. <laughs> Not untrustworthy white, untrustworthy adults. I put a racial claim in front of it. Man, rough. Uh, way to <laughs> bring well, race into a racist. <laughs> yeah, we talk about untrustworthy adults we talk to them about that they already know it's a fun game you just make a list of an adult you'd see and uh, like one general characteristic of them that makes you not trust them like dreadlocks or neck tattoos 
No, you you went for white people because I said white guys with dreadlocks mm-hmm. is my number one person I do not trust as an adult. What about bicycles? What was wasn't there something about it, bicycles? People who smoke while riding a bicycle okay. also very high on my list of people not to trust. Maybe that might actually be my true number one. I I mean I think you, you could probably extend that to like people doing anything like athletic while smoking. Right. Um. Like, 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 if you were jogging and smoking, that's equally like not. No. Okay. No. And here's why: because if you are riding a bike and you are smoking, that means you probably had your license taken away for uh, probably a DUI in Simi Valley. It was either heroin or meth. Uh, so you're probably riding that bike because you have to be riding that bike to get places. If you're running and doing, that's just bad choices. Right, like that, you don't know how to actually be physically fit. Uh, this is like a judge told you, nah, no more of the driving of cars. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice place you guys got, Johnny. I've got a question. One of the safest cities in America. <laughs> okay, mine is not because we're next to Durham. Don't go to Durham if you guys are in North Carolina. Stay away from Durham. But Johnny, I have an editing question. Okay. Uh, I've been bleeping out curses. For like a dozen episodes now, because I, I started off thinking it was funny, and now I'm at the point where I don't really think it's funny anymore, and I also don't think it makes the show super family appropriate when we say F- this f-ing game, and yeah. it's very clear what I say because I, I don't really, I don't want to bleep out the whole word. I like you to know what word was said. Yeah. So what the f- are we gonna do about that, Tyler? As the editor, you get to do whatever you want. God damn it. All right, everybody, right into the show. Do you want fully bleeped out curses, which I'm probably not going to do because I don't think that's funny. Do you like the partially bleeped out curses that I sometimes miss, or do you just want me to stop doing that and it'll save me like two minutes of editing time per show? I mean, I think I think we have gotten feedback about the cursing before, right? But I don't think we've ever gotten feedback saying, hey, I want to hear it all. No, um, but I think people were on board with that kind of being funny. I, I do agree with you, Tyler, that I don't, I think when we say these things, we're just presenting this hobby to adults, kind of, um, and maybe some older children. I, th- I think our show is PG-13 and sometimes, I, I, and sometimes gets a little R, so maybe we just need to take clean lyrics off. I think, I think the more likely scenario is our adult audience listening with their children around. Yes. I know I've that, got, that was I've the feedback. That, feedback. that was the feedback yeah, in got, the in the um review i got that feedback on a youtube video where i was talking about rare 3do games and then i brought up some porn games uh, kind of out of the blue and uh and i did get some feedback like whoa <laughs> like a part of history. i was yeah, i was not prepared for porn sex is the name of the game man uh, and game. and 3do is rife with it of any system you're going to talk about porn games 3do is the system yep and it's fascinating art and you should watch it and I'm only partially joking because it is not erotic in the slightest. It is the only uh, kind of 3DO game I've ever played with Johnny Ayuchi. That's a fact. Hmm. True fact. All right. (laughs) This is getting a little bit weird now. Well, it's even weirder that we had our shirts off. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Dennis Kahn was in the room. Yes. Um, All right. Uh, We have meandered far and long (laughs) away from our topic. And it's Halloween games, guys. It is my time of year. If Tyler ever releases an episode, the people will know it. It is Halloween time. <laughs> and hey, I just love the little digs right now. I, I don't actually blame you. I, I approached you very nicely about it this morning, and now I'm just taking these unfair digs. 
guys, I, I do this thing and I break a lot of rules about collecting when I collect Halloween games. Like I usually don't buy too many foreign title games, but understatement of the year. Yeah. uh, Well, maybe not this year, but most years I don't generally do imports, but with Halloween games, I make some exceptions because I like to have a wide breadth of games to complement my Halloween stuff because it's not a set. It's not a true set. I just look for things that are cool. And if I had, a, you know, and I've thought about having a whole wall dedicated to it, just this is cool Halloween stuff. And I'm going to show you. And that's what all of my October posts are really about, like some cool Halloween stuff mixed with my love of Halloween. And I take those things and I mash them into a picture and I show everyone. So on this episode, what I wanted to do was talk about some of the foreign games that are a little bit collectible or interesting that we can present to our listeners. And we've only taken a few each and we'll just give you a quick rundown. And um, that way, maybe next year we can have another version of this. So this is basically more collectible Halloween games, but with our, our slant being games that were not released in the United States, uh, at least original releases. Oh, Original releases, like these are foreign games. They might have been released in Japan and in in PAL territories, but just didn't see release. So they could be in PAL and Europe. They could be in just our PAL and Japan or just Japan or just Europe. The point is that original release didn't come to America. So we've got a few kind of exceptions to talk about in that, which Stefan will cover really. But yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're talking about today. And, uh, there's a lot of interesting games if you haven't gone out and looked. I know many of you haven't. So let's go ahead and begin. Stefan, hey, since we talked about your thing first, why don't we just go ahead and break all of our rules and go right to you? Okay. So let's talk about White Day. And as. Whoa. Uh... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Racist. How, uh, how have so you been racist? You already twice brought on this, this up at the beginning of the show. Jeez. <laughs> so, no, we didn't. We, oh, I guess I kind of did. But, uh, so, hey, so White Day is actually, and despite how terrible it sounds, it's uh, in Korea and Japan, it's a holiday that's basically sort of a Sadie Hawkins version of Valentine's Day. So, traditionally, it was the, the ladies giving gifts to the men on, uh, on Valentine's Day. And then exactly a month later, they have White Day, which is the, uh, the opposite, the men. Uh, giving uh, gifts to women and how that plays out in in this game is that the protagonist is a new kid at school and he falls in love with this girl uh, ends up uh, on white day break or the night before white day being uh, breaking into the school to uh, hide chocolates in her desk and that's when things go crazy the school locks up and there's demon possession and and uh, you know crazy a crazy uh, janitor trying to kill you and uh, spirits and all things. So it's a it's a survival horror game. Uh, originally, it was released in 2001 for the PC in Korea only. So for a long, 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 long time, uh, it wasn't. It was really difficult to play stateside uh, because you know it was you, you had to have a very specific PC, you know, Korean PC, in order to play it. Eventually, there was a US patch made for it. Uh, but that took, uh, and then it took 14 years before it was released, uh, in 
the U.S. So, you know, when I started this and I said White Day and you were like, hey, I've played that game. Yes, it is currently available for the PS4, but it was not for the first 14 years of its release. Uh, I believe they also have a mobile version on Android and iOS. Uh, but yeah, so it's a uh, it's a survival horror game, first person. Uh, it's regularly, popularly billed as the one of the scariest games ever made. Uh, so much so that in the original version, they had to uh, the developer chose to patch it to make it less scary because so few people were able to finish it due to the sheer terror. That sounds like so, the lamest thing ever. Is yeah. the the new one that came out in 2017, is that like unpatched and scary? I, I am not 100% sure. I looked for that. I looked to the, for the answer to that question. I could not find it. Uh, the other thing related to this question that I could not find is uh, pricing data for the original uh, Korean PC version. It is. It didn't sell well at the time and was Korea only. So finding an actual Korean copy of this game seems to be incredibly difficult. You, you can get the, the Korean version of the PS4 game for like, uh, twenty dollars, but uh, but yeah. As far as if if you have seen pricing data for White Day in Korean, the original two thousand one PC version, at me with that because I'd be interested to know. But I could not find anywhere that this game has actually sold in the original version. So yeah, uh, that's my that's my rule breaker one. I think that's all I want to tell you about it. Uh, oh, it's got multiple endings, but uh, there's a time component to the game, uh, which makes that very very difficult to get the the good ending, quote unquote. But yeah, that's all I got for that's all I got for White Day. Okay. So I uh I tried looking for this on Google. I couldn't even find a picture of it. I, I know you guys found a picture of it, but like I was looking with like non-stupid terms. I was putting in like White Day PC two thousand one, CIB, FS, like all these kind of keywords that might bring up either sales data or a picture. And I didn't find one. I found a lot of stupid other stuff like not for resale Halo Wada graded, which didn't make any sense to me. Uh, I think that's based on Stefan's search history. <laughs> also, I looked through the the PC big box collectors group and marketplace on Facebook. No one had ever mentioned this game. Uh, Stefan, why is this game collectible if literally no one owns it? Well, because literally no one owns it. No one owns it. You heard it here. You heard guys first hear it. It's rarer than stadium events, and you should all what go you what? white. Sorry, no, 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 no. You're not getting away with that. What did you just say? You <laughs> heard guys hear it first. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it seems to be incredibly scarce. So it may be, you know, one of those games that you can find relatively relatively cheap that nobody knows about, and you just pick it up when you can find it. Um, or maybe it just sells so infrequently that it's gigantically expensive, and I don't. And and we don't know either. So I, I'm I'm not sure what the pricing data would be for the original version. Uh, the um, the remake, which the the 2015 version is a ground up remake, different developer, different publisher. Uh, so it's really you know it's the same game because it's it's remade from the original. But other than that, it's a completely different. It's a completely new new version of the game. Um, that is regularly available on all the download services right now, and and uh, I think it's on Steam. And uh, so yeah, if you want to play it, definitely play it again. The scariest, scariest game ever made. But yeah, and so if you wanted to import games from Korea, you know who you could talk to. Red the Game Shark from Cheap Cheap Games. Woo! Over on Instagram or at booth four zero nine six at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo.
Yeah, Why isn't he paying us for this? I feel like <laughs> if we were going to have a paid sponsor, like a first paid sponsor besides IM8bit, that it would be uh, Cheap Cheap Games. I don't I don't think so. I think how <laughs> it works with Red is we give him money. Oh, I see. Well, I mean, that's historically how it's worked. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, yeah, so this is a PC game, not my favorite thing to collect or anything, and not something I would be after personally, though I do own the PS4 version of it. So, yeah, I thought no, it was but, interesting but, enough to buy. Yeah, and what I thought was was interesting, and I, I think I mentioned this to you guys offline earlier, is that it, it was an example where a game was like super, super, super inaccessible, and then a huge amount of time goes by, and then it's made readily available to a completely different market through legitimate means. So I just thought that was super interesting. Right, because a lot of the ports we'll talk about, like you may see them, but they just they come over as like translation hacks or or patches or whatever you want to call them. You know, they put them in American shells and then sell them to us. Uh, and the developers aren't making any money or anything, so uh, it's just that people putting these out, and that's usually how we get access to. It. So it's nice to see an example of a game that uh, made it to the West via other means. So yeah, all right, Tyler. Do you have one you would like to talk about? I do, Johnny, and I think your wife is just going to love it. Uh, It's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Awesome. uh, Only came out in (laughs) Europe. Yes. It's a game about children who practice witchcraft. Also came out in Canada. Boom. Gotcha. Yeah, I know that. I I was hoping, I was was trying to phrase it in a way that you wouldn't bring that up, but I still failed. Oh, man. You were so so bad at this. You got Thanks for ruining my, my joke with your... Gotcha, oh. collecting knowledge. Oh. My real game is Love Bites for the 3DO, a softcore porn video CD nope, nope. about vampires. Yeah, that's also a North American release, sorry. Oh, right, that one, that didn't is make that any sense. Is that actually about vampires? Yeah, My right. real, real game uh, is Splatterhouse Wampaku Graffiti, uh, a game no one's ever heard of, super obscure uh, Famicom, uh, probably uh, all the way down at probably the third most well-known Famicom game that didn't come out in America. Uh, it is a super deformed parody version of Splatterhouse, which you probably already know. It's like an 8-bit platforming game. It's got all these horror elements, uh, lots of movie references. There's pumpkin head dudes. There's like this hooded KKK guy that turns into a black goat flying chainsaws. Uh, get this. So the guy you play as wearing the hockey mask, that's actually a reference to Friday the 13th. And did you know that Friday the 13th was a thing before the movie came out? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the Christmas story lamps are an anime. Like games used to be weird. Like I, we don't get games. Like I guess it would just be like a ton of copyright infringement in this game. But I don't know. You don't see like Christmas story lamps like bouncing around on one leg in video games anymore. Anyway, you, you hit dudes with an axe, you level up, you fight bosses. It's uh stories were definitely looser back then. Yes. There's like two kinds of platform games and I wish we could differentiate them. There's like Super Mario Brothers Adventure Island where it's like you jump over pits and there's a lot of different like you can be on different levels. This is more of a like you're kind of running along a flat plane and there's just a bunch of to avoid is there a way to differentiate between those types of games it's one of those types of games i mean those don't really sound different to me like in like super mario brothers there's not unless like the hammer brothers are on the screen there's not just like a bunch of projectiles flying around trying to kill you it's mostly about running real fast and jumping over pits okay so like pitfall 
Stefan's computer restarted and threw off our rhythm for a bit here. So, why is Splatterhouse collectible, Johnny? I don't want to bring up a thing on the show unless it's collectible for some reason or there's something cool about it. it it's collectible because it's literally at the top of every Famicom recommendation list, every fake hidden gem list, every game that no one has ever played list. I said it was the third most popular Famicom game. I'm not lying about that. I think next to Super Mario Brothers 2 and Doki Doki Panic, this would probably be the third most likely game that would come up if you ask people to name Famicom games. Uh, like, if you if you Google Famicom Hidden Gems, I guarantee... Devil World. The first... That's... Shut up. <laughs> that's, Devil Shigeru World. Shigeru Miyamoto made that game. I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> Like, if you look up Metal Jesus Famicom, I guarantee you this game is in... If There's a Metal Jesus Famicom video. This has to be in it. Anyway. Okay. Um, but what does make it cool, besides that people absolutely love it, is that it never came out anywhere except for the Famicom. I, it's on the Wii Virtual Console. I think it came to the Wii Virtual Console in the US. That doesn't count. It's cool that it remained exclusive. Yeah, I agree. So it's, it's actually the second release of Splatterhouse, right? Because uh, the first one was... Uh, PC Engine or Arcade? No, Arcade, right? Yeah, but that, like the PC Engine Arcade, that's all the same game. And this is kind of like, I don't want to call it a remake. It's like Parodius to... Oh, uh, yeah. No, no. It, it's super yeah. deformed, but it still follows like the same basic tenets that the series... Like, even though it's like, like chibi and cute and stuff, uh, it still follows, uh, you know, in the footsteps of those games. It's still got some, like, Lovecraftian horror in there. It's still got yeah. the same, like, monsters. It's it's weird, but uh, it's an interesting game for sure. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, you, uh, you've, you've definitely heard of it, so if you're interested in this kind of stuff and you need a Halloween game, this is a great one to get. Anyways, um, yeah, well, I mean, what can you really say about Splatterhouse that probably hasn't been said a million times? I know. It, it's uh, it's cheap. It's like $30 loose. You, if you want to get it, buy it now. You'll probably pay 35 But they're all over the place because the people who are importing Famicom games know this is like probably the number one cart they look out for. It's so distinctive and they can get $30 all day for it. And I'm sure it's not rare because there are a ton of them on eBay. Uh, if you want to get it complete in box, it, prices are all over the place. I'm going to say 80 to $150 on average, maybe, depending on how complete it is and how nice it is. Yeah, it I mean, I've in, even seen it as low as 75 Sure, yeah. Yeah. And, it it uh, is all over the place. It comes in those big, chunky Namcot cases, or Namakoto, however you say the Namcot with the T. I don't know if it's supposed to be silent. I've heard that the T is actually a toe. I don't know, man. I'm freaking out. It has a whole bunch of papers in it. It comes with a sheet of stickers. If you really want it 100% complete, you gotta have the stickers. That's the thing with a lot of Famicom Disk System games, too. Here, hot tip. If you're buying a Famicom Disk System game, uh, look at the back page of the manual. A lot of them have four stickers there, and you want to make sure you have all your stickers. You don't want a fake, not really complete game. Huh. I did not know that. I just learned something. Yeah. Oh, see, I had a good collector tip. Uh, here's my collector's tip about this game. There's a lot of people who sell like US versions of this that are just as much as like basically buying a complete one or, or like in the ballpark, right? So like they want fifty to seventy dollars for this game. Like if you want a complete uh you like if you want it in like a nest box in a nest shell, just just buy it's the original. Madness. It's madness, Johnny. It's mad. This game does have like a story. It's it's kind of in English. 
I, I believe that there are translations, but I mean, yep. you don't need them. Like this game is so popular because you can play it in English and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Speaking of bootlegs, RetroZone, which is now Retro USB, released a bootleg copy of it that comes in a, a clear red cart. Uh, and don't how- buy that. Don't buy bootlegs. Just buy a real copy of this game. It's it's thirty bucks. I think most people here know my stance on on repros and stuff like that. I don't want to throw Bunny Boy under the bus because he makes great products and like 95% of it is copyright infringement free now. Uh, And I really like the retro USB AVS and he's a super cool guy and he doesn't update his prices. He just keeps stuff the same price forever, which is the bomb. Whoa. Pretty cool. Okay. We, uh, there were some homebrew guys on Nintendo age and we needed him to like, uh, the guy who made Battle Kid, Sivak, he, his first release or a multi-cart of a couple of his first releases, like Geminim something else. It's like a stupid multi-cart. It's like a $25 cartridge that was released like 10 years ago. And it's been out of stock forever. And we're just like, hey, can you, we we need some of these. We want you to make them. And he just like made the listing available again. It's like $25. It's like the cost of parts is what he's selling it to us for. It was a really cool thing of him to do. So shout out to Bunny Boy for being such a great part of the NES community. Hooray! All right, uh, Tower, have you have you played games. this version? Have you actually played this? Yes. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. I've actually played this dudes, too. and they explode. Woof. Yeah. All right, so um, Stefan is still away, but that does not stop me from going into my first game, which is a PS1 game. It's not an exclusive to Europe. It's in Europe and Japan, and it is called Hell Knight or Dark Messiah in Japan. Uh, Hell Knight, one word, not uh, not like uh, knight as in like in shining armor, but knight as in darkness. So Hell Knight, one word. Well, that makes it sound a lot cooler and a lot less D and D. So yeah, it's got like this cheesy kind of. Uh, both of them have like cheesy covers that like the European version's got like looks like some blood and like some sort of uh symbol and says Hell Knight. Then the other one is got it's like a half a face covered in darkness and something green and ominous coming from above, uh like a face and says Dark Messiah. Uh the interesting some interesting stuff about this is one, it's Capcom and Atlas together, so you know that's pretty good. That, that's kind of where you want to be in collecting if you uh, are just looking for who made it. So there you go. Um, this came back out in, mind you, it's PS1, but it came out back in like 1998. So it's, uh, you know, kind of early in the system. I mean, not too early, but it it wasn't like a, a mid-2000 release or anything. So it's survival horror. And if you would know your PS1 stuff... Survival horror is kind of uh, one of PS1's main jams. I am surprised it never made it here. Uh, it's been criticized for kind of having a having a budget like feel to it, like maybe it was a little rushed out the door that the textures and stuff aren't great. But um, here's the interesting thing: with the name like Hell Knight and Dark Messiah, you would expect like you are uh, you know you're gonna fight a bunch of enemies and stuff. There's only one enemy. There's one enemy, and there's a maze. The whole game. There's yeah, you are being chased through a maze, so it's a persistent enemy that changes forms, but it's really only the same boss the whole time, and you are being pursued through a maze. The game is a big maze, and you know he changes forms as the game goes, and then comes to a climax, 
And uh, spoilers, if you're going to go play this game, you, you think you're like in the sewers of Japan and like, you know, it's uh, like the survival horror game against like monsters. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. It's aliens. What? Yeah, it's really weird that it comes out and you're just like, it's aliens. And the whole world and everything has been created for you. Uh, to bring you to this moment, you are the Dark Messiah. What? To and what just you, like Silent Hill. Yeah, you can you can do what you do for them is you uh, unlock their planet and make it available or something. It's it's really strange. Anyways, the game is fairly popular um, amongst people who import. It can go from anywhere from sixty to a hundred dollars, but less so if you are buying the Japanese one. You can get that one a little cheaper. This game, it's just kind of up and down. So it just depends what cycle. There's plenty of them available. Um, like I said, it wasn't from like some limited retail. It was Konami and Atlas at the same time. So uh, working together. That's what you need to know about. The, like I said, there's not a lot going on uh, for collectible. There's not a bunch of additions. But it's on every list everywhere. So I'm not like, this is nothing new. I'm not blowing anybody's mind by bringing up like, Whoa, look at this hidden, hidden gem. Have you heard of Hell Knight? Of course, it's going to be on every hidden gem list, and that's gross, but there it is. This is a game that you will definitely see around. But uh, a good one to put in your Halloween sack. I I, I like the kind of plain cover, because you can just kind of put it in any picture, but the Dark Messiah one works too, so you just decide which one you want to work with. I've right? never heard of this game, Johnny. You've never heard of this but game? I don't, but you I don't, don't care about PS1 and PlayStation. You know, I, I, I went from having like zero PS1 imports to having like nine. And none of them are shmups. So that's yeah, I don't understand that at all. Yeah. No one Go understands. Go get Do- uh, Don Patchy. What are you doing? I, look, I'm buying Halloween games. That's what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah. That's- so Stefan's not here yet. Nope. And he said it might take a little while for him. So we're going to go right back to you, Tyler. Whoa, I was totally not expecting that. I was going to just start talking to you like normally and we were going to cut. Oh, okay. Then let's just stop. No, <laughs> I was thinking th- about stop Splatterhouse and uh, there's that PlayStation game. Uh, it's a PS2 game. It's like Splattermania or something. It's got like a guy with a pumpkin head wearing a witch hat, I think. And it looks like something you would totally love. I was wondering if Monster you had it. Madness? Monster Madness. I'm almost positive it has splatter in oh, the name. Oh, no, no, but no, no. It... Oh, yeah, splatter. Um, yes. Yeah, I do. Uh, it's on the PS2. Yeah. Yes. Well, I don't know. Post that. Splatter Master. Splatter Master. What a name for a game. Damn. Yeah, I have that one. I do. Is that related to Splatterhouse? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, we could look, but I, I do not think it is. I'm almost positive that didn't come out in America. Oh, no, it did not. I also have nothing to say about it, except that I love the name and the box art. And that's reason enough alone to buy it for someone like Johnny Ayuchi. Oh, absolutely. Meanwhile, I'm going over like the most banal picks for uh, oh, man, Famicom Halloween. Man, I got you with banal so good that you it did. is just... It, it bothers me in my life every day. <laughs> Why does this one bother you so bad? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. It's I'm, been a while. Yeah, I'm like, it's been a while, and my usage was like 100% accurate. I don't know why you were mad about it. I'm not mad. It's just sound a little mad. Like, you bring it up. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're bothered. Shut up, Johnny. 
Are we just waiting for Stefan? Are we are we cutting we at this point? This is Well, we were briefly talking about Splattermaster, which was not a game that was on the list, but it is a PS2 import game. You can go get. It's not too much money, and it is the Halloween theme. And uh I believe it came out in Japan as well. So, uh I would have to double check it's on that. It's part of the Simple 2000 series in Japan. Boom. So Splattermaster. The 64th volume of the Simple 2000 series. How many PlayStation 2 games are there? So many. <laughs> There's too many. Two, yeah. Thousands is not an answer you want, but it's the one you're getting that for is... PlayStation 2. <laughs> Man. So, all right. Now we can go over to Stefan and his second game. Stefan, it's your turn. It is my turn. Sorry for the brief interruption, everybody. Uh, no one knows. No, nobody noticed? Did we even... Do they know? Is this it a, just a... cut instantly? They were like, "What do you mean interruption?" Ah, okay. Well then, no one, n- no interruption. Thanks. We're not uh, live streaming this. What do you think is happening, Stefan? You shut up. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I am talking about Innsmouth No Yakata. You mean uh, Innsmouth? Innsmouth. Innsmouth. Uh, yeah, so it's a, uh, a Japan-only release for the Virtual Boy. Uh, one of the pricer releases, you're going to be paying around between $200 and $300 for it, uh, CIB. Uh, but it is an Eldritch Horror game. It's, uh, I want to call it a first-person shooter, but it's kind of not, because it, it sort of feels like the old, like, 80s dungeon crawler RPG as Did well. You like what it's, system it's for? I can't, I can't Yes, okay, I did. Okay. I said Virtual Boy. Oh yeah, ugh, gross. But yeah, so it uh, it is a first person shooter in that it is a first person view and you shoot things. But it but the controls are very very restricted. Uh, so it's like you know turn left, turn right, and it sort of snaps you turn left, turn right, that kind of thing. Uh, it's very much a, a procedurally generated dungeon crawler, um, which will sometimes work in your favor. So essentially, you have to like find find these key items in the dungeon to move forward to the next dungeon but that's all procedurally generated with zero prejudice so sometimes you will have everything in like three consecutive rooms or sometimes it will be it will sprawl them out into the like the furthest reaches of the dungeon so uh, one one level could take you thirty seconds to get through, while the next level could take you fifteen minutes. So yeah, it, it and and the frustrating part is there's a timed component that factors into your ending. Um, so uh, getting a getting the best ending ending is extremely difficult, or can be extremely difficult, depending on uh, whether or not the random number generator wants to f you or not. Do you know why but, there's a time limit? <laughs> to stop you from playing the virtual boy yeah that basically like your brain might start bleeding we need to hurt you along sure that's probably true but uh, it's it's very difficult but but it's a great game um again it's it's first person shooter e with some like survivor survival horror elements thrown in it is elder tour themed in's mouth no yakata it's uh you should go yeah. play it um you can also find so there's not a terrible amount of english in the or not a terrible amount of dialogue in the game but you can find english translations but even those seem to be actually selling regularly on ebay for about a hundred dollars i don't know why or 300 uh, complete yeah which is crazy yeah i don't that means the premium is on the box what yeah i don't i don't get that i don't i don't 
I seriously don't understand paying high prices for reproductions or translations. Yeah, I think that's all I got on that one. I mean, yeah, it's the cover is awesome. I, I is awesome. like it's got some creepy looking monster in the moon, which could definitely be, you know, some Lovecraftian beast. Like, you know, and if you if you guys aren't familiar with Lovecraft, you don't I mean, you haven't heard of Innsmouth. It's a fictional town in Maine. And people are turning into fish, uh, you know. There, there's a very popular story that, that this involves itself into. I think they took some of that as inspiration, which the idea that there's a Lovecraftian horror game on the Virtual Boy blows my mind. It <laughs> literally blows my mind. I, I just went and I'm like, bye. I have must own this now. When we when uh, we were talking about last week, Stefan, and you found it, I was like, one, how do I not know about this? Two, <laughs> Why don't more people talk about this? Is insane. Like this, the definition of insanity that this thing exists at all. It like like my brain cannot count comprehend this existing. Like Johnny, there's one movie game on the Virtual Boy, and it's Waterworld. Nothing on the Virtual Boy makes any sense. I know, but like Waterworld is like of the era, and it was like a big film production, and it was like you know it was terrible, but people didn't know it was going to be terrible. It was this huge budget thing, and Kevin Costner no, was okay. on top of the world. So. Yeah, and I didn't understand how popular Eldritch Horror was in Japan either. Like that's that that part was news to me. Like that it's a that it's on the Virtual Boy was less surprising to me than the fact that we didn't get it, or even like the European territories didn't get it. And like I don't know, I I, I just didn't realize that Eldritch Horror was so big in Japan. But that's awesome. I mean, I, I've always understood there's like these crossovers there, but I've always kind of compartmentalized Japanese horror as like its own thing, even though there's sometimes tentacles and monsters and uh, insanity stuff. It, you know, I've never, and I don't know why, said, oh yeah, that's definitely Lovecraftian horror. It's like, yeah. I've well, always I think- just kept it like in my brain. It's only the West likes this garbage. Right, because I could see like there are some like very mild like kaiju sensibilities to Lovecraft in that, you know, like Cthulhu is a giant tentacly monster and elder but, god and they call him an elder god and stuff yeah it's like yeah when you when you start breaking it down you're like oh yeah no shit. yeah makes all the sense in the world but my brain had not had not made the link i would recommend if anybody wants to check it out without buying it um jeremy parish uh does do a a youtube series for the virtual boy called virtual boy works uh and he does cover this game uh very thoroughly um that was what i used for prep for this episode so uh, i do recommend that uh, that video how much is a card only copy again i don't know less than two hundred dollars all right i'm out never mind i don't care enough no i mean you can buy a complete copy for like 175 if you're diligent i have bigger things to worry about in life than virtual boy the import virtual boy games you are correct sir <laughs> hi there's uh thank you for keeping me focused johnny it's what i've been trying to do yeah all right so, uh, yeah. But Anyways. the thing is that we, d- we don't ever actually keep you focused, Tyler. We just, we give it a shot and then fail miserably. That's... I mean, pot, <laughs> not, not <collecting laughs> pot PlayStation to kettle. Games yet. <laughs> yeah. Pot hey, to kettle. Fine, but I'm not the one saying that, hey guys, thanks for keeping me focused, because you don't. Well, I mean. <laughs> he just did, though, and I'm, I'm thanking him for this one instance. If I give him positive reinforcement, he'll keep doing it in the future. I will keep <laughs> doing it anyways, because it is my solemn mission. Johnny, I want to get. I want to buy all the rarest worldwide PS2 games, like that Indian like school prep test game for engineering school. 
Okay. No, you're supposed. John, you're all right. No, no, I, I was waiting for that. Was no, that wasn't permission. That was confirming your statement. Okay, go on. Oh no, uh, you're just supposed to say no. Don't buy that, Tyler. You don't actually want that, which would have been a true statement. Yeah, that is actually 100 percent correct. You did it. Look how good you've gotten. You don't need to tell me to buy you that. It's, plus, it'll be harder when it's like you should buy all the ten dollar PS2 games that are real popular. Like I don't. You should know, not buy all games. the ten dollar. PS2 games. If you want a small, you know, curated collection of PS2, a small you do curated that. collection of like the 400 PS2 games that matter. Well, even if you buy 400 PS2 games, you are still very far away from the set, and you've done yourself a favor by not buying the additional 1600. I would agree with that. All right, I'm I'm trying to be a far ways away from that. All right. So, Tyler, do you have your second game prepped and ready to go? Uh, I sure do, and it's another game that everyone's heard of. Uh, I'm pretty sure out of all of your games, I don't think I've heard of any of them, which maybe just makes me a bad import game person, or I'm picking the most banal horror imports. <laughs> I think you are, I think the kids would call your sh- the basic b- portion. But of you know what, wow. the basic b- stuff for imports is the most collectible, because it's the only thing anyone it's, bothers. It is 100% yeah. where you should be. Uh, look, yeah. I, I don't disagree. Uh, no, I think you are you're bringing up the goods that that stuff that is most likely to be collected or people talk about. If you were collecting specifically Halloween games, I don't know if these would be my top picks. You know, there's a few high dollar ones I would pick, like that Innsmouth game. That is way cooler than Splatterhouse. Yeah. Just so much cooler. Cool. But you should not run out and buy that if you don't care about Virtual Boy or Halloween or Elder Tor. You should not buy that. You should buy, like, and and if you do have, like, Splatterhouse games and you like it and you like TurboGrafx-16, you should definitely pick that up. There you go. Anyways, Tyler, go on. I'm, I'm not criticizing your choices. I like your choices. I've got the best yeah, choices. You They're might, bangers, I you might even that say. Far. They are bangers, Tyler. <laughs> so Splatterhouse was kind of my, like, everyone knows about this game and buys it because they want to play a thing. And now is my, like, this game is super historically important. So Sweet Home on the Famicom, which if you don't know is based on a movie of the same name, and apparently the movie's pretty good, uh, this game lays the foundation for the entire survival horror genre. And I don't just mean that uh, it was the basis for Resident Evil. It's very similar to a lot of themes to Resident Evil. We'll go into that later. Uh but unless you want to like go around and say like horror text adventures or like haunted house on Atari 2600 are the foundations of survival horror, they're not, this is it. So it's a totally real horror game. It's a, it's like a, an RPG slash adventure game. So it has a lot of JRPG. Oh, I'm walking around doing random battles. This is boring. But then the fun part of the game is it's also an adventure game where you find items and you have to like, you know, put a rope on the thing that needs a rope and then you can climb down it adventure game stuff. But the atmosphere, the music, the story, the themes is totally unlike anything you have ever played in the 1980s. Uh, It is the darkest eight bit game of all time, bar none, probably including homebrew, including fan games, like incinerated alive, dead babies are it's crazy. Darker than chiller. Ooh, that's, that's rough. Um, Probably, I think, like, the most gruesome stuff in Chillers in the arcade games. Like, it's not, like, as gory. Eh, it's got, like, gory, dripping animated zombies in it. 
Chiller, I would is say much overall, more, is much worse in the arcade and much more toned down on the the, the Nintendo. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 a different kind of horror. Chiller is like shock horror. This is more like a literal translation of a Japanese horror movie horror and all its weirdness and grave robbing and I don't want to spoil anything. Sweet Home's messed up. You should play it just because it's messed up. The big you problem I have with it is uh, so. Let me let me explain the foundations of survival horror here. So I probably just sound like I'm describing a horror RPG or a horror adventure game. So you go into the house as a party of five and everyone has a set amount of life and you can't regain health. And there's like random, endless random battles. So there's a set limited amount of like health items in the game that will bring your characters back up, but they don't respawn and there's no drops from enemies. So basically, if you run out of life or die, that is permanent. So it's a it's a game based off the popular spelling show Party of Five, right? That's what. Yeah, I, that's what I was asking. Is yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt in this? I don't understand this reference. <laughs> oh, he's, su- <laughs> he's such a little boy, Johnny. Aww. I forget. He's 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 like the he's Benjamin Button. He's so, I don't... <laughs> he's so old and yet so young. I, d- I didn't have. Ca- was that a cable show? No. No. All right. No. I don't know. Anyways, go on. Just move on. Ignore us. <laughs> uh, hey, shout out to like a good like eighty percent of our audience who did get that reference. No, they didn't. I mean, not a, yeah, like maybe forty percent. I've heard of Party of Five. I just don't. It's not something I would have watched as a kid, and it sounds like I was probably too young to care about it. Like fuck Fraser. Like what kid watched Fraser? It was all about Seinfeld. Am I right? Well, What's the deal with? Party of five. <laughs> What's the deal? Party five. Bad Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Frasier was okay. I don't know. But what are you supposed to do with those tossed salad and scrambled eggs? See, that's the dichotomy of Tyler, where he doesn't understand Party of Five references, and then he follows it up by making Seinfeld references. No, he follows it up by talking about Frasier, which if there was ever an <laughs> old man like, comedy, the Simpsons it has been Frasier. Home Improvement? What the, the hell is this? What channel was this on? 1994 don't... to 2000. That was like my prime year. Really? This was on Fox? Yeah. I have no idea why I don't know about this show. <laughs> but let's keep talking about Frasier. Who... <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that Niles and Daphne should have ended up together? Go on. <laughs> Please discuss. Oh, oh my God, Tyler. Come on. 24 and the, the Factor Fiction show. Okay, please go on with your review and why this is collectible uh, and important. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Except for the... So, the game goes on. I'll just I'll just give my quick review of why Sweet Home is both amazing and terrible at the same time. You kind of, you explore this haunted house and it has these, these adventure game elements and you have to play inventory Tetris. If you drop an item, you have to remember where it was, but there's all these paintings or frescoes throughout the house that, uh, every time you like figure out the puzzle with the fresco or you like shine, you vacuum off the fresco with a vacuum cleaner. It gives you a hint on something you're supposed to do next. So I know a lot of old 8-bit adventure games have kind of bullshit elements to them, but this one is constantly pointing you in the right direction without telling you exactly what to do. And the whole adventure game element, I totally love, except halfway through the game, you reach the max level, and then it's like playing Shadowgate, except every three steps you take, you're in a random battle that you're going to kill in one hit no matter what before it hits you. So 
the RPG random battles become entirely pointless for the second half of the game, and it just is a drag on the entire game. I agree. What was that? I said I agree with you about that completely. Is that yeah. so so much of a drag that it's like not fun anymore? Like people are like, this is a five out of five masterpiece, one of the best games ever made. I'm like, this is a super interesting game that I wish I could turn off the random battles in the half second half of the game because it just kind of gets not fun. Like it could have, like I would have put it at a nine, and then I probably put it down to like an eight or like a seven point eight for yeah, how to- how badly the end the last half of the game is treated. That's exactly like what I was trying to get to because because Tyler does have the tendency to like take a small flaw and make it seem like a big one. So I was just it's, trying to it's figure like it out. half the game. Also, random battles are like maybe my least favorite things ever in games. I totally hate them. I look as someone who comes from RPGs like uh, you know Dragon Warrior and Final Fantasy. I'm fine with random battles, but it's a little tedious. So the crazy thing is, the idea of this game is so good, having this RPG that's also a horror adventure game, and it has that like kind of major big flaw, is that the random battles don't stop even after you basically have the whole house to explore, and you don't need them anymore. What? There's no other game like this that I can think of. Johnny, you're more of an RPG game. I can't think of a single game that's like Sweet Home. No, it, it's pretty unique, especially for the time frame. I, yeah, it's, it's super ahead of its time, like decades ahead of its time in, in some of the things it does. So it still is worth playing, but, um, anyway, it led to Resident Evil. That's the game everyone knows. Everyone's like, oh, this is the game that came before Resident Evil. Okay. It's a Resident Evil game, right? It's not a Resident Evil game. Okay, cool. Thank you. Sweet Home was made by Takuro Fujiwara, who is the the producer of Resident Evil, but not Shinji Mikami, who's like the Resident Evil guy. Oh, it's not the guy who made Resident Evil? Uh, uh, no, I thought Shinji Mikami had nothing to do with this. I don't think. Yeah, no, but that's the thing people always say. It's made by the guy who did Resident Evil. No, someone who was involved in very heavily involved in Resident Evil made this game. And they like they probably you said that backwards. Someone very heavily involved in Sweet Home produced Resident Evil. Yes, I've got that back on. Yes. (laughs) But Uh, uh, Stefan, what's the difference between a producer and director? Because I don't know. Uh, mostly the time frame. So back when Sweet Home was made, if it, NES, right? Um, there were few, very few people actually were involved in a team, right? So so few that uh, roles kind of coagulated. Um, and so when you see director, a lot of times that 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 could mean a number of things, like project lead. Would be definitely the pro- the the um, director would definitely be the project lead, but they could also be the programmer. They could also be so so. It, it's a it's a much more encompassing uh, title, whereas a producer is like you know again the the project lead. So uh, in in modern terms, so I don't know that you would ever see a director and a producer on the same project in that. Era? Well, and Resident Evil had two producers and a director, so in 1996, yeah. it definitely did. Okay. It's also a very late release game. So. Yeah. Uh, what is? Sweet Home? Yeah. It was 1989, right? That's not super late. Oh, uh, isn't it? I thought you just said, didn't you just say 1996? I'm like, that's super No, late. Resident Evil is 96, oh. right? Or is oh, it 95? Okay. Uh, Resident I'm gonna Evil I'm going to say 96. Is, let's see. Where was I? Uh, I think it was... It could have been 95, maybe late 95, but I played it in 96. Um, 
Yeah. So, uh, and roles were like titles were also a little bit more amorphous back then. Like you could also see the role of planner uh, commonly in the NES era, um, which could regularly be interchangeable with director or producer. Did Shigeru Miyamoto program my Legend of Zelda? Or did he just make some graph paper maps? I don't know. All right. I don't know either. That's, that, that was a gear <laughs> shift I was not at all prepared I for. I, I am fascinated watching. I watch every 8-bit credits all the way through. And I'll be like the Battle of Olympus. And I'll be like, oh, this whole game was made by nine people. And it's like an amazing classic. What the hell? I'm sorry, I have to add this in here because I looked up Battle of Olympus as I was editing here. That game was made by three people, at least three credited people. Two people were on the programming and design, and one guy did the music. That is bananas. It's, uh, games were cool, man, before they were the, the corporate machine and, and design by committee got to them and loot boxes. They were just art. Tyler, and I have I have two questions about Sweet Home. Oh, what are your two questions? My first question is how much uh, text is in the uh, original release? Like, is it could it could, is I, could I play it? Okay, so no. I could not play it so, as a non-native speaker. There's a lot of story in it. Um, there's both story and like a lot of confusing menus. Probably like you'd probably figure it out, but you have to like split up your party. So you have five, but you can only control three at a time. And a lot of it would be like organizing which members you want in your party. And it would be crazy to try to memorize what each of their names looks like. And you pick up all these different items, which might not be super clear. And then the big thing is that there are tons of paintings in the game, which kind of give you the hints on what you're supposed to do. They're like riddles almost. So yeah, you could not play this game without English. Okay, question two. I know we talked about this a little bit before the show. I just forgot where we actually landed on it. Was there like a boutique official US release for this? Or uh, no, there sure wasn't. There was Time Walk Games, renowned bootlegger Time Walk Games put out a release. Okay, let's let, let's go into the all right, let's just go into the prices. It's a ten dollar cartridge, it's super common. Probably around $50 complete in box, maybe 40 if you can accept a crushed box or something. Uh, it's got like a, it's a black cartridge with like a lady screaming. It's the movie poster on it. It's super easy to spot, even though it doesn't have any English text on it. Uh, you're probably not going to find it in a bulk lot of Famicom games because all the people who sell bulk lots of Famicom games like Yamatoko Classic on Japan, this is one that they always split out because they know they can get like 10, 15 bucks for it all day. Uh, so... Time Walk Games made this fancy bootleg that you can buy for probably double the price of a real copy, but it's on an NES cart. We kind of already talked about it. It's it's crazy. Um, but if you go on eBay, there is a Wada graded 9.4 Sweet Home from Time Walk Games for $2,000 by none other than Reserved Investments. <laughs> Ooh, yes that that's like three things i love one don't buy bootleg games you're just stealing the work of translators they're not collectible maybe a part of an upcoming episode are they not collectible shut up johnny <laughs> <laughs> i think we might disagree that's an episode we gotta <laughs> save it for the show go yeah. on we're on the show i was gonna say two wada Stop grading bootlegs. You're a video game certification company. A certified bootleg is a paradox. And three, everyone should go look up reserved investments on YouTube because he doesn't have any subscribers. 
and he's tiny and he doesn't promote himself and I love him. Should we hype train that guy? Is that yes. a hype train? <laughs> hype train. Everybody go to reserved investments. We could probably like double his subscribers if everyone <laughs> passively interested in this just went and been like, oh, okay, cool. All right, this will be a good exercise to see how much influence we actually have. That we'll would check, be uh, we'll, we'll launch this episode no, a couple days later. Gonna, we'll, uh, look. People are going to look at that and be like, no way am I following this guy. Also, Tyler <laughs> will have to edit this episode and put it up for people to even be able to do that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so he's uh, he's kind of like Alpha Investments is for magic. He talks a lot about uh, the sophisticated investor. He comes from a background of like coins and furniture and like quote unquote real collectibles, but he's constantly talking about the stupid pop culture collectibles like video games and Legos. And he has basically all this stuff like amiibos and this stupid graded bootleg game and like graded Lego sets, just like complete crazy nonsense that at most, I would say probably most collectors think is probably garbage. And then all of his videos are like, all this stuff is garbage. And I yeah, yeah. love him because he's such but a I... contrarian to like kind of the WADA hype in sealed games. He's like, sealed games? Are you nuts? This stuff's mass produced. Yeah. So uh, he says crazy stuff like he's like, Spider-Man? In 500 years, no one's going to care about Spider-Man. You need to collect old coins and historical documents. So here's an interesting thing about uh, Sweet Home, if you're looking for this on eBay. There's also a game called Home Sweet Home for the PS4 and uh, and the PC, not the same game. One is uh, a design and furnished rooms makeover kind of PC <laughs> Oh, that's game. it. <laughs> the and, survival uh, horror. Yeah. Madness. And the other one is a virtual reality horror game for PSVR. Although, there was one, what did I say earlier? Uh, Gone Home was the one that I was confused Gone about. Gone Home right? Uh, looks like a horror game, isn't actually a horror game, can be beat in five minutes, but it, it is an enjoyable experience. kind of feels like a horror game. It does feel like a horror game. It sets you like up for it the whole time. Yeah. No, it totally... I love Gone Home. So, so. Sweet Home was not released by Collector's Quest sponsor, I am there is, It is another no. game that is totally exclusive to the Famicom, which makes it interesting, kind of like Splatterhouse. Yep. I like exclusives. Great thing to collect. So yeah, no, that's it's uh, it's an interesting game. It, it's also playing it is an experience, Stefan. If you really want to play an English copy, I have an English copy. I would like to play it. I think. I think. Okay. So like, like okay, I have a question, Tyler, because you've played it, yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's obviously like a horror game because that's what we're talking about today. But like, do you does the horror element stand up in 2019? Like, could I actually get legitimately? scared by this game um like the first time you fight a zombie he'll be like facing the other way and then he'll animate and face you and you'll be like wow that's pretty gruesome for an nes game it'll shock you in how gory and horror-y it is for an 8-bit game but it's not going to be like flashy jump scares i mean right. it's an nes how much can it do yeah okay i'm just curious I had two more notes. Uh, oh. It comes with three little inserts. If you want it to be 100% complete in box, get all those like stupid little pages that all these Famicom games love to come with. Uh, and there's a strategy guide, uh, also called the winning guide. If you're looking for it in Japanese and translating to Yahoo auctions, it goes for like 50 bucks. I don't know why you'd want it. You probably can't read any of it, but there it is. All right. Any other things you want to say about those? Those are my tidbits about Sweet Home. 
All now right. go subscribe to Reserved Investments on YouTube. <laughs> or don't. And say Collector's Quest sent to you. Yeah. Do if you do, do <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> Definitely blow up the comments. Yeah. <laughs> so this uh I want to talk about a game. This is also a game that gets just a ton of translations over here. And I'm not sure exactly how popular it is, but it's a super Famicom game. And it's uh and I'm gonna just butcher the pronunciation of but Maju. And even people online can't agree on the spelling of this game. Uh, the English spelling, it's but it's M-A-J-Y-U-U-O-U is the version I've seen the most common, but it's all over oh, play, yeah. the place. You probably you see that U turn into one U and the U at the end gets dropped off, right? Oh yeah, it's a <laughs> it's it's a mess. So this game is very expensive in Japan. Kind of. Kind of. So why I say kind of is because it had, uh, it just had this weird new release. Uh, like in 2018, it was so popular and kind of rare and it was fetching such high prices that this company came out and then just like an authorized release just put out a copy AN of the authorized or UN authorized? Authorized. Authorized released. Okay. Yeah, authorized release came and put it back out, and you can now buy it. You know, on Play Asia or you know Amazon. You can you can find it on eBay. You can get this game for like sixty dollars now. But a complete in box copy, and you will that, and the covers are exactly the same except for the original Japanese release has KSS at the bottom, who was uh, the who. Published it, I guess, um, and that may be incorrect. But it says KSS at the bottom under the Japanese title of the game. It goes for at minimum like seven hundred dollars. Woo! And it <laughs> as high as a thousand dollars. And then like the exact same like box, just released, same cart art, everything is the same. They just had this random release. Uh, seventy dollars now, sixty dollars, which is is crazy that this company did this, and I. It was in my notes and it went away. Thought I had it sitting right there. I'll, I'll look it up and tell us later. Anyways, let me tell you about this game because it's crazy. And I think Tyler would like this game a lot because uh, it's like the quote that's always thrown around about this game is it's Castlevania with a gun. But it it's more oh, than this a, game. <laughs> yeah. Now I know what game you're talking about. Yeah. It, uh, it it's crazy looking, right? So it, it's very Halloweeny, but also very Japanese horror. You see it in the U.S. released as King of Demons. So and uh, Fishy Face Games has done a release of this. I think Rose Colored Games, like all these companies, have done a release of this that do these. And, and nothing against them, but it's just a translation. But you can buy the original because you don't. There's not. There is a story, but there's not a whole lot of text. It's enough where if you want to find out what the story is and read the text patches. It would only take you a minute, you know. It, it's not like, oh my god, there's so much story. This is like a run and gun kind of platformer, a little bit, and the enemies are crazy. It's a beautiful game. Though the weird thing about it, though, is you're really small on the screen. Like for your average platformer, like if you look at shots of it, the main character, and you can turn into like a couple of different demons that have. Uh, or you can just stay human if you want to just really make it harder on yourself. That have different abilities to to fight your way through, and these gigantic, you know, screen filling bosses. But you're just teeny tiny. So um, 
Yeah, it's very thick. Are better when you're small. That's yeah, the I'm main just, reason I, I like 8-bit games more than 16-bit and they're stupid giant cartoony sprites. Yeah, I you know, I still like the enemies look awesome. The horror theme is sweet, but you're not like fighting like Dracula or, you know, you're not fighting like vampires and werewolves and like classic. It is definitely leaning towards Japanese horror, like naked woman coming out of a a scary plant, you know, shooting <laughs> fire and acid. Just like Cho Anarchy. Yeah. Uh, you know, worms with like 15 different eyes and them looking fairly gelatinous and stuff. This kind of, uh, this, it, like I said, Japanese horror, like a flower petal with a skull in the middle of it. You're like, oh, okay, guys. Um, anyways, I think this game is super cool. Um, I, I did buy the, n- not the original copy, I, I bought the Japanese uh, other official release, the sixty. I would call copy. it a reissue. A reissue. You want to use Tyler's fancy yeah, terminology that he stole please, from someone please else? And thank you. So this game is awesome. Go watch gameplay of it. Super collectible. Even though it's like a thousand dollars to seven hundred dollars, there's still like five or six of them always on eBay. If you want a cart, you can get a cart for like two hundred bucks of this. If you want the original cart, it's very expensive though. If you just want to play it. There are plenty of other avenues in which to do so, but the game is, uh, it's expensive, it's collectible, it's, like, people kind of know that, but they don't, and I, I feel like if people peg this more, especially because there aren't other Super Nintendo games that really look like this, it is a very unique, there's, like, the art style is pretty impressive, it's really dialed art. Like, if you just play other Super Nintendo games, like, you may play some that kind of play like this, but this is a really kind of unique experience it's something i recommend heavily that everyone just go check out at least check out five minutes on a youtube video or, or one minute on a youtube video because you look at this and you're like wow this is a crazy looking game so i bought it because I, I actually uh would like to play through it so check it out and Jimmy, uh what is there an english spelling that you can give our listeners? king of demons Oh, okay, so, no, dear listeners, what I just did for you, I did not remember the name of the game, and I know we give you so much information in these episodes that you're not going to remember the name of the game, so I googled Castlevania with guns, and the very first YouTube video is Let's Play King of Demons, <laughs> so you can remember it. It's, it's, I told you, it's a phrase that always gets thrown around, I don't know why this was like some quote, it initially had really poor sales, too so it's part of why it got so expensive and got like some bad re- reviews like Famitsu only gave it like a 23 or something but then people were like no this game is awesome and they they just they turned around on it I love that the protagonist could not possibly be any more American like his oh yeah is like jeans and a t-shirt and white high tops <laughs> and a red bandana and he like he looks like he fell out of Contra and he walks with like American purpose it's like if you shrunk down a Contra character and uh, threw him in, in uh, Castlevania. He's like he's like power walking, I think this is how you would describe that. So uh, the reason I don't like calling it Castlevania with a gun is, like I said, it's not really... Like, Castlevania has a very specific horror theme, right? You know, Universal Movie Monsters, classic horror. This is not the... This is like classic Japanese horror. So, yeah, it's not, it's not Contra. Like I said, you're not fighting werewolves and vampires. You're fight, like, not that Castlevania doesn't have some of these weird monsters, especially as the games go further down and Castlevania gets a lot more Japanese-y, like, uh, as when you get to 
GBA. Not that I have a problem with, because those are great. Um, but yeah, you definitely see more of those style enemies come up later in the Castlevania series, but not in early Castlevanias. So, I don't like them saying that, because you would, you'd would you be like, oh, so like Super Castlevania? No, it's not like enemies in that, really. Anyways, really interesting game. game. This game looks real neat. I yep. like that like one of the levels is just like city overgrown with plants because like yeah. so many games in just like every genre in 16 bit. It's like, OK, here's the ice level. Here's the grass level. It's just like, no, we got a city just with trees growing out of the buildings. It's so unique. It's real neat. Yeah, it's. And you're playing as a dragon and shooting fireballs. <laughs> OK. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's one of the demons you turn into. And it so uh, like... you can turn morph into different demons. I was just going to say, and it looks like pretty much every translation game seller on Etsy has them readily available. Oh, yeah. You can you can buy a, a, a knockoff of this f- to play on your U.S. for uh, 15 to $20. Yep. So they're not like holding you hostage like Sweet Home where they want or you. Or you could download $50. the ROM for free and respect yeah. video game translators. Shut yes. Up. Any of these things, sure. Fight. You're in the video game industry stuff. Yeah, no, but this is this is this is a topic Tyler and I regularly fight about. Oh my god, because you probably what bootleg do you have that you treasure that I have given you shit about? I don't know. But, I know there uh, must be one. I'm sure, like all my Sailor Moon stuff, you've probably yelled at me. Yep, you bastard. <laughs> I'm not saying that I also have a, a knockoff of this, but I did also buy an official release. I kind of want it. It's fifty seven dollars on that's Play Asia, and it looks that's really what I'm cool. telling you. Like, I, I think, I think at fifty seven dollars, this game's a steal. Like, you, this if this was released in America on the Super Nintendo, this would be a five hundred dollar game, e- easy all day long. So, Johnny, I am also looking. I'm looking at gameplay videos of this. The same question that I had for Sweet Home. There's not a ton of nope. Dialogue, you right? can you can totally get through this if yeah. you want. There is some story, and you can totally just Google it and find out. What's this? Because the game starts out with some story. You're not just like dropped in. Some stuff happens. You were set on this quest, and that's really easy to find. So you should cool. do that. Good pick. Way better than stupid horror games I haven't heard of. Even though I also haven't heard of this. So there. I just want to talk about some other weird stuff before we end. We all just chose two games. I got a bunch more I could talk about, but this is like a thing I, when I was. You know, every year I go through on the Halloween stuff and I get super hyped for all the stuff I'm going to like look up and buy weird stuff. I'm going to go outside of my realm. I might buy a PC game. I'm definitely buying some imports. But there's some visual sound novels for the Super Famicom, which I'm like getting pretty into and I, I want. But there are a bunch of horror sound novels. And I did not even know this was a genre on the Super Famicom. Luckily, they're like pretty cheap. And didn't do very well. But if you guys know about these, um, go check them out. You can just Google Super Famicom Horror Sound Novel uh, to find these. And it's like a bizarre genre of game. I did not expect to, uh, you know, find out. They're they're visual novels to be to be clear. Like visual novels. When I think about in? them, um, well, because it has sound. Oh, fantastic! So okay, um, most games have sound. Well, I mean, I you know. Look, I, I'm not the one who named the genre. I'm just telling you what it's called. Like, when I think of visual novels, I always think of, like, the PS Vita. And I'm just like, oh, great. Another visual novel. Cool. Steinsgate. This is terrible. And then, like, the I, I didn't realize they were, like, on Super Famicom. So I'm 
kind of been like, what is this? And like checking out videos and stuff. Um, so yeah, check those out. Just Google it. You're going to wind up on this one blog and I might as well just toss his name out. It's an old blog. It's endoso at dot it's endoso.blogspot.com. And it's the 2011, uh, post from October and super Famicom or sound novels. Like you look up that and you will, you will see this and there's not a whole lot, but there's more than I expected. So check those out for like a weird thing you didn't expect to find. I'm guessing all those cost nothing because they're entirely unplayable in English. Yeah. Yeah. They, okay. they don't cost much. And the reason I even got on this kick, like right as I found one, uh, read the game shark, shout out to him again. I was like, Hey, I've cheap, got a cheap cool games. Ho- yeah. I, he's like, I've got some Halloween stuff for you. And I was like, cool. And then he showed me this. I'm like, I was just looking at this thing. So it was kind of sweet coincidence. So anyways, and another quick shout out to red so i hope you guys are getting hyped about halloween i hope you guys will join me in using halloween gaming 2019 the tag i use incrementally grows each year so next year will be halloween gaming 2020 but i post uh you know every day for the whole month of october i throw out some games uh i usually try to back it up with uh, something interesting rather than just my normal picture of game video game shelf try to spice that up a little bit so I hope you're enjoying those, and I hope you will join me. Like, and I'm interested in in what your version of Halloween games is. Stefan and I had an argument about this uh, the other day because he's like, "Doom's a Halloween game," and I was like, "No, it isn't." Yes, it is. That's and I was like, "This is, eh. this is how our argument happened." Yeah, <laughs> and then, uh, but I'm good about arguments, and I I said, "Well, well, may, wait a minute. Why would he say that? Why would he say yes?" Because uh, my version, he's like, "They're in hell. Hell's very Halloween," and I I couldn't really dispute that, but it's not really. Catholic hell or you know Christian hell. I was like, okay, there's more like down crosses. Uh, yes, but they're like the blobby monsters. It's not like you're fighting devils and demons. Uh, that's not my. They're literally demons. Yeah, but they don't like. They don't. They're not archetypical Catholic demons. I already specified what my version of hell would look like, right? So, uh, give it my uh, you know Christian upbringing. He looks just like a goat guy. Very. Uh, yeah, kind of, but. But the game, like, that game does not, like, scream hell to me. Like, it just, it does not. It does not translate in my brain. Anyways, the point being, as I said, okay, well, that's interesting that Stefan thinks Doom is is a Halloween game. So let uh, let me ask him more about why and explore. And it's like, you know, we all have our own definitions, was my point, Tyler, so stop being a jerk. Um, that, you I know, think Doom's you, a Halloween game. I'm going to give I'm, it. I'm not... I'm not fighting him. That's the whole point of the story, I'm, Tyler. I want. I, I want to agree. That, that, see what you've done here, Tyler. Now we're fighting you. That's, yeah, it's called pyramiding. This is yeah. this is what you've done to yourself. Yeah. So don't be afraid to throw stuff out there that's not necessarily my my bent. Is what I'm saying. Whatever you like, you may be inspired by something totally different on Halloween. My wife's version of Halloween is a lot different than my version too. Um, so. Throw those games out there. Show me what you got. It's my favorite time of year to look at games. I look at, literally, if you use that post, uh, that tag, I will like your post. And sometimes I will comment, even though I'm so busy, it's killing me right now. We have so much going on in October. I will just comb through and I will make sure I like. And it's I don't have like a like bot or anything. I go through personally. I look at the games because I enjoy seeing them. And I, I click the, the like button for you. So please use it because I love to see it. All right, that's all I got to say about it. By uh, by the time you're hearing this episode, I will probably have posted one Halloween gaming post at least. 
Yep. I'm sorry. Tyler's the worst. All right. I'm dizzy. Dig in, it's like it's your opportunity to dig into your well of games and not have to show something new you just bought. You can go back into your library and be like, here's a cool one. I did probably gonna post get, Doom. I did already okay. get shamed for not using the tag. So uh Me too. I well <laughs> one of one of you posted Halloween, uh a Halloween game. One of you posted I Castlevania post, yeah, that was and me. knows I use the tag extensively and knows it's important to me and then didn't use the tag. I just forgot. It was an honest mistake that I did not S- rectify. So that's also my bad. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. And I and I messaged you privately about it first. In our group chat said, you didn't use the tag. And then I had to shame you publicly. Oh, okay. <laughs> I waited. Tried to take care of things at the lowest level first, Stefan. Now now we're at public shaming level. Okay, uh, that was our, our foreign episode. Uh, foreign games, non-US releases, kind of. Let's, uh, let's move on, shall we? Sure. Would John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars qualify for Halloween gaming 2019? Yes. Yeah, it would. Uh, and so I don't... an action thing that takes place on Mars with guns. <laughs> I see Doom where you're going. does no. not, even though it's Mars Are you and dumb? hell. Are you dumb? <laughs> Are you the dumbest person? <laughs> like I literally just said, my version <laughs> isn't that. I even discussed it in the last episode, but I said, it's not just about it. So if you want to qualify it, Tyler, yes, it qualifies for you. Don't poke the bear, Tyler. Don't poke <laughs> me. I'm so right? sorry. Like, I, there wasn't like, enough conflict in this episode. You're like, oh, you're like, look how clever I am. I'm going to trap Johnny in this stupid thing. And then <laughs> didn't didn't work out for you. I, it worked out just how I wanted it to. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. You know, we're going to be in a house together soon at the Portland Electro Gaming Expo, if this is up before then, and I am definitely going to fight you. You're going to be asleep, and I'm just going to jump on you. All right. Just with, uh, (laughs) yeah, I'll probably be in, like, full-length pajamas. Hot. Like, yeah. Like, I'll I'll get, like, some weird character. I'll be a product of your nightmare forever. Or your fantasies. One of the two. Probably the latter, I think. But, I mean, that, all right. Fine. All right. Then you'll get me and you'll be like, you'll get, I'll, we'll meet again and you'll be like, Tyler, I'm so happy you edit these podcasts. I don't even care that it takes you forever these days. I am so happy you edit these podcasts. It oh, wasn't see, even I these days, though. So like, easily. I think this is the first time that it's taken, quote unquote, a while, right? Like, No, it's been taking a while lately. Because really? I'm a lazy piece of shit. No, I, I assume he's just busy. I'm just, I've just been teasing him because normally... He's like pretty consistent, or he says, ah, it's going to be a little while on this one. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but uh, our shows, even our short shows are always real long. <laughs> yep. This one, this one, uh, it was almost an hour. We almost did it. Um, I guess we could cut that Stefan being away part. Well, know, and we could cut our awkward beginning. It, if we would have, st- if we would just start recording when we like first jump on, all our shows would be like four or five hours. <laughs> Yeah, that's why we got to get that Patreon thing going so people can join us for the beginning. I just want to live, like, let people be involved in that. Tonight was really only like a half an hour. Nope, it was pretty concise. That's because Tyler was already prepared and didn't have to spend three hours figuring out what he was going to talk about. I was like half prepared. I knew the the games I wanted, but I didn't have everything written down. So, guys, important question. What are you buying? And have you played anything? Tyler. Oh, it's me. Um, 
I got, I didn't get anything super cool. I got a, a pretty nice Chippendale for NES. Chippendale won. Super nostalgic game for me and literally everyone else who has played NES. Uh, I've been looking for like a super mint copy of one that isn't like oh, $400 because it's super mint. And I just cannot find one. So I settled. And once I settle on something, I know I almost never upgrade it, but whatever. Uh... I got a complete Saturn Model 2 controller. Um, there wasn't really a reason I bought it, but I saw it for sale, and I'm like, hey, that's maybe the best controller ever made. Why don't I buy that? And then okay. after much deliberation, I bought a copy of Gunhead on the PC Engine, which is Blazing Lasers, which I already own, because everyone who has a Turbo Graphics should own that game. Such and I was like, do I really need to buy the PC Engine version, which isn't cheap. It's like a $60 game, I think. Even though it's like the most common thing that no one needs to import. And I'm just like, yeah, I do need to buy the original version. And that's pretty much it. Nothing super huge. I got a bunch of really cool PC games I can't wait to talk about in the mail. All right. And then uh, I I played through Mario 64 with 120 stars. That is, it's the perfect video game. I don't know what else to say about it that hasn't been said. I love perfect that video, video game? game. It is the perfect video game. Oh, that camera system though. It is messed up. Like going to the top of TikTok clock, I'm like, I've played Mario 64 my whole life. This is going to be no problem. I've done this 20 times and it's just like, oh man, this is, what are you doing like a two? <laughs> and you know, once you play that game a lot, you start to notice like there's some repeat content just a little bit. Like maybe the first two stars in Tall Tall Mountain are exactly the same. One, you go to the top of the mountain and there's a star. When you go to the top of the mountain, punch a monkey, and he gives you a star. <laughs> That's, come on, Shigeru Miyamoto. What are you doing? Wow. Weak. Weak, Weak stuff. Call him out. Six out of ten. Yeah. Definitely listens to this podcast, so, you know, watch out. <laughs> He's right. like, yes, I did program The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> okay, so, fun, fun. Um, Stefan, what did you buy? Uh, like, uh... Johnny alluded to earlier, we are going to be at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo Woo! there. Uh, if you have not Hello! been listening to us recently, uh, I am hosting part of the museum exhibit this year. I'm doing an exhibit uh, about gameplay counselors, Nintendo gameplay counselors. So most of my buying habits recently have been focused towards that, but that also means I'm not talking about a ton of it because I want to save some stuff you know, surprise people at the show. But I did end up, uh, there was a gameplay counselor who has been long retired that ended up actually retiring to California that I hooked up with. And so... They um, had sex. Yes. No, not that kind of hooked up. But uh, I did spend the day with them and oh, uh, yeah. bought a significant portion of what they had had from their employment there. And so that was a real goodbye. Uh, one of the things that the probably, one, you know, when I'm buying gameplay counselor stuff, a lot of it is like things that only I would care about or like people super interested in gameplay counselor stuff would care about. So like one of the things that I was most excited about from that purchase was I got all of her uh, Nintendo powers that she used at her desk for reference. So um, which, you know, on the surface, most of them look like any Wait, issue you of Nintendo the gameplay counselors ever. and they were just looking this up in Nintendo power? Oh, they did have desk reference sets of Nintendo Power, oh yeah, my God. and 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 guides and stuff like that. That's so, hilarious. and then even some of the like of their, yes, a lot of the binders that they used did have custom content, but 
some of it was just Xeroxes of pages from Nintendo Power or from other guides or like like the stuff that they have for Ultima, all the the NES Ultimas is just uh, Xerox copies of the PC strategy guides that had come out years before. Wow. So, um, so that is so cool. That is the coolest thing in your damn collection, Steph. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, uh, I'd really want because again, part of my Portland display is trying to recreate as best I can uh, the workspace of a gameplay counselor. Um, and so one thing that I really was looking for was counselor used uh, Nintendo Power. So I'm going to be able to add those to the display. I'm excited about that. Um, the other thing I bought was a bunch of uh, Castlevania games. It's, it's no... Uh, <laughs> we it's, heard. Yes. We were there last episode. Doing it right. live. So it's uh, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know how influenced I am by these two guys in my buying habits. And so we were talking about uh, Castlevania uh, last week. And so I ended up buying Castlevania for the X68000, for the MSX2, for the Famicom. <laughs> um, so, oh, and I bought Castlevania Chronicles for the PS1. So, uh, so that was. Oh, I bought Castlevania Chronicles for the PS1. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Red bought Castlevania Chronicles for the. I feel like I've been seeing Castlevania Chronicles everywhere since we mentioned. And, you know, our friend at Gamers Life booth, uh, J Rob and Syphic, have one for sale. So visit them in Portland where they will have a booth and killer deals. There you go. So yeah, uh, as far as the retail stuff, that's what I bought. Um, a, a couple last things for my GameCube sets kind of trickled in. Uh, the Donkey, Donkey Konga 1 and 2, but uh, nothing nothing else, nothing else notable. That, Johnny, he was What's talking that? about regular video games instead of like super impossible one-of-a-kind stuff, and he's just like, as far as the retail stuff goes, hmm. That's it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I he he deflected so hard on it, I barely acknowledged it. <laughs> I have a question. Do you yeah. did you get the Famicom disc or the cart version of Castlevania? Famicom disc. The cart's cooler, actually. The disc is really common, but the disc is the real first edition, so that's cool. And you know, I'll also like the MSX two and X sixty eight thousand. Those are both like super cool Castlevania things. To yeah, I love the MSX two version because it's it's very it has a lot of um, the packaging has a lot of like Neo Geo sensibilities. It's in sort of like a, a plastic clamshell. They're not it's not quite as high quality or as large as the Neo Geos, but definitely um, if you look at my Instagram, uh, you can see a picture of it next to a boxed NES version, and it's significantly larger. Um, and I don't know, it feels very very kind of that clunky 80s aesthetic and i really like it and you can uh you can feel through your screen how much stefan wants to own more msx2 games now. <laughs> yeah <it's laughs> just true. stop it i'm in hey, trouble stefan me again um stop that mm. <laughs> you know what are some of the most important games ever made uh the metal gear games when are you gonna get them yeah super expensive too that's like a 400 dollars game so is or Pennsylvania you bought or just don't <laughs> <laughs> he says that like uh, can't uh-huh. sorry James can't. He's like, uh-huh. 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 yeah it's right <laughs> on the way uh, oh wait no Stefan did you play anything I feel like I did no I didn't not <laughs> take that back unless you count like the like PJ mask apps that I've been playing with my daughter the... okay I'm not don't even ask about PJ it. masks let's not talk about it yeah <laughs> Yeah, children's properties. So yeah, I've been playing a lot of preschool apps with my daughter. Cool, fun. Sega Pico? 
Uh, no, she's actually, as far as like vintage stuff, she actually really likes the uh, the Elmo game on N64, which kills me because that game is awful. Uh, there's two Elmo games, bro. That sucks even more. <laughs> yeah, there's letters and numbers, so. Uh, I think uh, we've been playing the letters one. I mean, you tell me. The, I don't know. Made that a question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, right. pay, I don't pay that much attention. They're incredibly formulaic. You could literally play them with your eyes closed. Right, what? Well, do it. Do really it. Then you'll be like those people who do battle tests. Right. I'm gonna. Eyes I'm gonna closed? speed run the Elmo games blindfolded, <laughs> and then post it on Instagram. That's right. Nice. With the likes. Good job, Stefan. You bought some good stuff. Some stuff that I might even consider buying in a different time, or in you know, Castlevania for the X68000. Uh, during Halloween time, all bets are off on my buying habits. That, okay, if anyone hasn't looked at that box art, it's amazing. So that's like the 100% only reason to buy it for the X68000, because the if you want to buy an X68000, like, yeah, but it's like, it's so, those consoles in working order are so, or those computers in working order are so incredibly expensive, they're like $2,000. And then, also, they are on five and a quarter floppy disks, so the likelihood of you getting one that works is probably not great. Um, but that's also why they're so incredibly rare is because, you know, now, of course, collectors would keep a a broken copy of the game. But back in the day, if those five, five and a quarter floppies failed, they just threw that shit out, right? So um, there's just not, there's not a lot of copies left. Can't you rewrite them? Doesn't it still have like the magnetic material? So if you just get a ROM of the game, you just write over... Maybe, but like I gotta back, ask the PC but, group. I but don't know during the time, like who would do that? Like, I mean, during the time, you would get a blank floppy and then copy all the games for all your friends. Yes, that is true. <laughs> Piracy been happening for a long time. Yeah, and you shouldn't buy those pirated games because they're repros. All right, don't copy that floppy. Great, song. thanks. All right, Johnny, guys, time for you to yeah. talk about things. Okay, what do you want me to talk about? The things I bought. Uh, yes, tell us what Game Boy games you bought and the one sad game you played. And those are both guesses, by the way. Well, I didn't buy any Game Boy games. Whoa. I, well, down I, I mean, I. One week with no Game Boy purchases. I bought a Ninja Taro, which I talked about last time, and that was kind of a little expensive. Not too bad, actually. But it's it's Halloween time. So, like, I start picking up. Even though I've picked up stuff all year, then I could I literally generate 31 pictures from my. Uh, all the other 11 months, I'm off to like new and shiny. So I'm like, ooh, let me buy something else. Like, and I'm sure it'll be posted. Well, am I sure it'll be posted? I'm hoping this game is posted by the time uh, this episode comes out. And it's Monster Racer for the PlayStation 1, also a European exclusive. So it's weird that I have two Halloween games that are racer games. Does it, is it me or? A lot of Halloween games are European exclusive. There, it's not. A, there's not a lot, but they're like there's some pretty prominent ones, like Baby Felix Halloween Racer for the Game Boy Color. That um, I just showed uh, Ghostbusters Extreme, which is a terrible cartoon. You should never watch it. It's an abomination. It should be removed from the Ghostbusters series. However, you feel about. The Ghostbusters movie where the remake where it was women and then maybe you're a misogynist and you hate that or maybe you just hate that they remade a movie but we can't have a good conversation about it because people totally broke that story. However you feel about that horrible situation, Ghostbusters Extreme is worse. So 
that's the real scourge of the Ghostbusters universe. Terrible. Just terrible. Just ignore it. But Johnny, when they remake a movie, I can't watch the original one anymore. It goes away, and I can never watch Look, it again. Uh, there's no healthy conversation to be had <laughs> here. You know this. There's no There's no good way to, like, this... It's like talking about guns, right? Because people are so divisive on both sides, there's no way to have an actual good conversation no matter what you believe. So um, I'm sure there's like a good middle ground we could all come to and talk about, but because, uh, you know, talkie heads have done their bit, uh, there's no good conversation left and uh, killed it for the rest of us. So thanks, Stephen. Ghostbusters isn't a remake. You want to talk about terrible remakes? Let's talk about one of the top 10 grossest films, grossingest films of all time, The Lion King. A CG remake that didn't need to exist, but made billions of dollars for no reason and is ruining my childhood. It's not even live action, bro. That's why I, I didn't say live action. I know. But, I'm, oh, I was. Man. Yes. Fine. And they're remaking the stupid Wii launch title Monkey Ball Banana Blitz in HD instead of giving us Super Monkey Ball 3, a game we've all wanted since like the mid 2000s. I'm sorry, I'm just taking Johnny's remake thing and running with it, because I hate remakes and they ruin everything. What was Johnny talking about? Yeah. Pal Halloween uh, games? Yeah, and this is why we can't talk about this kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> anyways, I bought Hell Knight, because I figured, hey, that's cool, I'll buy that, and I'm going to talk about it. Um, we'll see if it's here by the time this gets posted, but I also bought that uh, Innsmouth no Yakta um, for the Virtual Boy. Boop, boop. So, look at all these imports I just listed, Tyler. How do you feel about that? That's pretty crazy. But you want me to tell you to how be I fair, bought you basically only bought them because we did a show that made you think about them, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's something that's cool. I want that." Yeah, but when did I tell you about a Lynx game? I bought a Lynx game. Ooh, oh, actually, but horror because it's Halloween. I bought two Lynx games. One of them's not horror. Oh. I bet oh, they're sealed. Gaiden three. Yeah, buddy. Yeah! What? <laughs> I bet they're sealed. <laughs> They because, are sealed because nobody, <laughs> nobody ever opens like. <laughs> there are games. so many sealed copies. Of uh, I know. Three. I don't know what's up. I I have like five Lynx games, and uh, now Ninja Gaiden Three is one of them. Uh, also Rygar, but the arcade version of Rygar terrible. Don't play that one. Um, and then I got Dracula for the Lynx because the cover on this game is so wheat. I'm imagining it's a live action like person photograph. No, it's called Dracula the Undead, too. So it's not. It's like, it's it's hand-drawn art. It very much reminds me of Ravenloft. Ooh, that is neat. Oh, neat. It's very cool. Yeah. That's like and very... It's a, uh... And it's a role-playing Halloween game? Oh, it makes me want to play the Lynx. There's also this... I, I also bought for the PC Engine, uh, La Palace Noma, which is... What the hell? Uh, uh, another Halloween-themed RPG horror. There's also a version on the Super Famicom I want to get, but I haven't got that one yet. What is uh, going on? Johnny, you're out of control. <laughs> October changes you. You're like a werewolf. Yes. That's a weird billing on that Dracula game. It says, it, it, there's like a starburst on the cover. It says, interactive role-playing thriller. And I'm like, as opposed to like non-interactive? You know what? Yeah. It was around the time of multimedia. Interactive was a cool buzzword. I guess. Yeah. Genre, like, you could just call anything. <laughs> you guys, look, look up the cover if you haven't seen this game. It is sweet art. It is right? very cool. Right? It's like super classic Dracula. It's like the Universal Monsters Dracula. You know, black like cloak with big, with big neck and like white cravat and, you know, very pale uh, red lips. It, it's like, 
It's like they drew a young grandpa monster uh, drinking blood from this girl who's really into it. It does look like the Ravenloft Dracula. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, so I bought that. I'm I bought a lot of stuff like that, uh, you know. Johnny's not was... going to make me buy this one. I'm going to have willpower. I'm not buying I'm not, it. I'm, I don't think you should buy it. I also bought a game called Dark Half Boxed, which is a game we didn't really get to talk about. But it's like this weird dichotomy where you play as both good and light, and it, it affects it, and it's like another Halloween-ish RPG. Um, it's like a $10 game, uh, so it's not wasn't super expensive, but it's another like RPG-ish game that's for the Super Famicom that I picked up. So, boom. Did it. You're never going to play any of these games. RPGs are like 20 hours long. Like, Sweet Home is like 20 hours long. You know it's only a half hour long, though. Splatterhouse playing Paku Graffiti. Everyone can just go beat that right now. And that's one of the games... You know I don't own that one? I, I own uh, a translation of it, because obviously... Uh, it was... That one was actually given to me, so... I did not pay money for it, oh. but uh, I would I would like to own the original like Namcot one. So speaking of this episode causing us to buy games, uh, like two weeks ago when we started planning for this episode uh, for like the Halloween stuff, I was like thinking about the imports I want. And I'm like, well, Sweet Home is Firehouse is like two obvious ones. And I'm like, I own carts of that. I should really upgrade those. And do you know who is going to set them aside for me? Red the Game Shark from Cheap Cheap Games. Nice. Yeah. All right. Is that three yeah. times that we've mentioned him this episode? That is the fourth. I've been counting, and I told him on Instagram live as we're recording. And he said, uh, he said, this week's Collector's Quest, sponsored by Red the Game Shark and Cheap Cheap Import Games. And I said, you act like we haven't already said that. Right. Yeah, the, the problem with that is this episode is going to go up late after... After the retro expo has already happened, unless this you get is on, probably like, going to go up before the retro. Yeah, I was gonna, expo. you should you should drop that like day. I'm up trying before. to get up. Uh, well, probably not now because it's one thirty. This was supposed to be like a literally twenty minute episode. Um, I'm gonna get the, the other one up tomorrow, and then wait. Oh my god, Portland is next Friday. Yep, seven days. Yeah, but, uh, we're gonna jam. We're gonna jam this one out there. It's gonna be like three days between episodes. We're gonna see how that works. All right. People would be excited. It'll be like bonus collector's quest, even though it's just Tyler's lazy, terrible, inconsistent <laughs> editing schedule. All right. Sweet. Okay, guys. Uh, that's it for the show today. I did not play anything really. Uh, I didn't mention last episode, but I did also beat Super Metroid. I, I took a picture of it when I, when I first put it in, uh, when they dropped that Super Nintendo stuff on uh, the Switch. And I said, you know, fake gamer here. You know, I, I did that bit. Uh, like I wasn't going to play because I only took a picture of the title screen. But I did beat beat it. I got not the best ending, but I got the medium ending. So. Is that for your, is that your first? That's not your first playthrough, right? Yeah. No. God. Well, I mean, you, didn't, you never know. No. Did you listen uh, to the Super Nintendo episode? Yeah, 100 years ago. It's the best anyway. episode. If you're a new listener, go listen to Johnny's two-part Super Nintendo episode. So... That, uh, yeah, I, I love Super Metroid. You guys know I love Metroid. Yeah. Um, so it, I just hadn't played it in a while, and I was like, I, space stuff isn't really Halloween-themed to me, but I played it in September into the very beginning of October and, and beat it as I carved out time with... Uh, it's a good game, but like, you can just kind of pick up and get through some chunks of it uh, if, if you've already played before. And with JD being as fussy as he is at night, um, I've been carrying the, the Switch around with me. 
and trying to carve in time while he's like sleeping. There are a few games that I wish I could like turn back time and play again for the first time. And because that, that feeling was so much more ma- you know, magical than I would ever get uh, today. And Super Metroid is one of them. Chrono Trigger is another one. Like when I hear people like, oh, I'm finally getting around a Chrono Trigger. I am like genuinely envious that like they're playing through it for the first time. But Those are good do you games. like Chrono Cross? Not particularly. I mean, it wasn't as magical for me. Just, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, when I played Chrono Trigger, it was a very formative time for me. So, okay. That's how I judge people. All right. Um, guys, that's, uh, that's our episode. Did I win? Nope. Oh, uh, do you ever, um, Ooh, rough. Um, All I do is win. Oh, well, Tyler has so many songs you can choose to make this the, the episode. There you I would go. prefer something spooky. Uh, so please do that. Anyways, thanks for listening to us. Guys, where can they find you? Stefan, go. Uh, like I said, I'll be at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo in the museum, and I'm also doing a panel on Saturday at 6 or 6.30. Oh, God, I don't remember now. Uh, but uh, with some Nintendo Gameplay Counselors, so you can get you can definitely get your fill of Nintendo Gameplay Counselors via me at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. But online, you can find me at Archon 1981, A-R-C-H-O-N 1981, and that's on Instagram and uh, YouTube and Nintendo Age. Stefan reminded me of something. Stefan, do you know Greg, the Gameplay Counselor? I do. Ooh. He's got that gold Shigeru Miyamoto controller for sale. I guess, did you get first dibs on that? And you're like, I no, did. I don't want to pay $5,000 for a controller. The reason he made that thread is because I asked him about it. So, Oh, yeah. I, I knew it. I knew you were involved. Okay. Well, if you're interested in a, in a gold N64 controller, it has like that N logo on it. It's like some super special thing Tyler, that people bootlegged a long time ago. There is a reason why that is the only thing he has to sell. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he doesn't seem like he knows how much like to ask for it. He's just like, give me offers. And then as soon as people get offers, he does the thing that no one does, but seems so sensible. He's like, yeah, so a bunch of people offered me one grand. One person offered me two grand. Anyone going to beat that? And I feel like no one ever publicly posts that. And I think that's I, so you interesting. Know, because it, it, it's fine for someone like him who doesn't have like a general knowledge of this. Also, I bought that controller back in the day for like $300. And now it's up to this ridiculous sum, which is crazy to me. Is your signed? Well, yeah. All signed? Uh, no. Oh, no. no. I guess you said signed. Oh, okay. No, mine wasn't signed. I was like, this is ridiculous that it got up to that much if it was just that. Yeah. Um, but I do hate when people put for offer. Like, don't make me tell you how much to sell your thing for. And then here, here's my favorite part. Like, uh, make an offer. You make an offer. They're like, whoa, lowball offer. You're like, well, if you had a price in mind, why the f*** didn't you just say so? Huh? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I would have no, just I, put it on eBay because I don't know. Like, there's probably people interested who are not going to see it on Nintendo Age. I will say Greg is a genuine guy. I like him a lot. He genuinely did not know how much to offer. I, didn't uh, I preface? My no, no, I'm just saying. saying. Yeah. I'm, but I'm just. Yeah, I, I'm not saying him, but I'm saying like people who have been on Nintendo Age or other threads for a long time and they come out, or, you know, I don't, I didn't price this stuff. It's like, just price your shit and, like, let me know. I don't want to have to have, like, a huge back and forth with you. We're already going to haggle. Why do I have to start off, like, you hoping I'm an idiot and overpay? Like, what? Like, gotcha. You would hate, I hate game TZ. Let me tell you. I hate the gotcha formula of game pricing. Okay? That's just stupid. 
And then when you're like, oh, you lowballed me. It's like, well, what did you expect me to do? I need to, like, I need to come in low because if I come in too hot, you're going to be like, yeah, got you. that's it. You take it. I'm not trying to drive up the price. I'm trying to find out where your middle ground is. My 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 personal rule is that, and this is a, a breaking this rule is a real great way for me to not want to deal with you anymore. Is that if you bring me something like, hey, I want to sell you this, Stefan, then it is your responsibility to tell me how much. What drives me crazy is when people come to me with something like, hey, man, you want to buy this? I'm like, yeah, sure. How much? And they're like, I don't know. Make me an offer. <laughs> you like that is that uh, is- again. That that depends on who's bringing it and how they're bringing it, right? To, to a degree. Yeah. Like if someone doesn't know, they're like, I'm not a game collector, Stefan, but you put a post and said, I, I'm interested in video games and we're friends and I got yeah, this stuff no, in my like, closet. Genuine, generally, I get this from like online shop owners. Like that, you know, like that bugs me. Oh, no, no. Like if it, if it is your job or in your hobby to know the price of games, like just have a price, okay? Just have a price. Is Greg going to be at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo? Mm, not on my ticket. He's not. Oh, no. Um, no. Um, okay. Well, I hoped I had a cool tie-in there, and I only had half of a cool tie-in. All right. So that that aside, we were ending the show, and then I'm default gen, default gen on Instagram, Nintendo Age, and and the YouTube. I guess I I did post uh, an 18 second video. I need to make more videos. Johnny, where are you? You know, I'm Johnny underscore Ayuchi. Uh, over on Instagram, I'm Johnny on Nintendo Age when I'm there. I don't even know if I'm because still welcome there after. Yeah, I am a diva. I like to say that. It's impossible that I got that name. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, that that's me. This, this is where you find me, guys. I'm. Uh, you can also find me at work all the time and then hanging out with my baby. Those are the other places you can find me. You can find me on uh, Nintendo Online, Johnny Versus. Uh, but I think I have to give you a, a dumbass friend code so you can find me, or maybe they can do it by name now. I don't know. Uh, anyways, I hope to see you guys at Portland. I hope that uh, you know hearing some of these import games was interesting to you, and uh, that now you want to go pick some up or, or look into it further. And I hope you enjoy the Halloween stuff as much as I do. We will see you or talk to you really next time. Bye!